Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we're sitting down with Carlos Sanchez. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Carlos Sanchez is the Associate Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Starcom USA and also serves as a national chair on the Men of Color Alliance. Today, he'll be sharing his experience working as the Associate Director of DNI for Starcom, his advice to listeners pertaining to diversity and inclusion, and the waymakers that have helped him along his career journey. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr. Today's guest is Carlos Sanchez, DE and I head for Starcom USA. Welcome, Carlos. Thank you so much, Lewis. Really a pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, thank you for, for coming out. I see you got your socks cap on today, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still we're still uh kind of rallying from the loss, but we'll take it as a win. First home playoff game in what 13 years, I think it's been. I'll take it. Okay, so 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 you know what we call that, Carlos? <laughs> moving the that? bar. All right, you moved the bar. All right, slightly, slightly. I know there's no such thing as an ugly loss, but uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, but uh, a pretty loss, I should say. Um, but I'll take it. You know, was able was able to make the the playoff game, the blackout game with my wife, so we had a great time. Okay, good, good, good. I'm not gonna mess with you too much about that. <laughs> Man, it's still a sensitive topic. So, Carlos, tell us about Starcom. Uh, the yeah. the company. What do you guys do, and uh, where are you located? Give us some background on uh, yeah, how, and how they're positioned in the marketplace. Great question. So, um, you know, Starcom um, is an media agency, an advertising agency. Um, we're part of Publicis Group Holding Company, um, and you know, we provide brands um, advertising services and really help to advance their presence, um, you know, in, through media in the advertising world. So, you know, we are uh, a part of, you know, offline things like TV, radio, or print. And we're also, you know, driving online initiatives um, like on social or, you know, um, search different, you know, e-commerce, things like that as well. So we essentially are here to provide media services um, for big brands. And, you know, we have a lot of blue chip brands um, that are on our current client roster. And, um, you know, as an organization, um, Starcom is, is, is a global organization. So we operate in 100 plus markets. So tell us, uh, who are some of your clients? Yeah, great question. Um, so we, we have many different clients. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we're uh, in 100, you know, total markets. Uh, we have about 7,000 global employees, but here in the United States, we have about 1,400 employees. And some of our um, employees are, are working on brands here in the U.S. like Kellogg's, um, Best Buy, Lowe's, Samsung, um, Fiat Chrysler North America, Kraft Heinz, uh, Visa. So we have, we have a really robust list of, um, you know, big blue chip clients that are right here in the U.S. that we're servicing. So we're, we're really excited. Um, we have, you know, got some, some, some new wins under our belt um, as well. So, you know, really just excited just in terms of both as the holding company um, is continuing to progress, but specifically how Starcom is also progressing with our client list as well. So you guys have some real well-known household brands that uh, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of. Right. So 
as the associate DE&I guy, yeah. what do you really do? Great question. You know, it it is kind of one of those things that if you think about, you know, this new hot topic, people are always talking about DE&I and what does it mean and and what are we actually doing? And, and, and what I'm responsible for is this. Um, I'm responsible for all 1,400 of our U.S. employees making sure like they feel like they belong, making sure that every single day we're having opportunities to engage in, in, and create programs and initiatives and policy changes that make sure that every single one of these 1,400 employees are, are, are able to be their most authentic self. Um, you know, I have established and I'm leading a board um, of different, you know, leaders in our organization and our aim on that board is to be the working board. And we're here to kind of, you know, interrogate ways to ensure that we are creating new policies, initiatives and programs that positively impact, you know, um, all aspects of, of our employees day to day, as well as how we can engage with our clients. Right. So, you know, we think about the way we hire. How can we, you know, make sure that we're bringing belonging to the way we manage, promote um, and ultimately how we engage with our clients as well. So, so was this a focus, Carlos, uh, before uh, George Floyd and the events of May of 2020? Was, was did this exist yeah. there? It did. It did. You know, um, in fact, you know, Starcom, even within Publicis, was one of the first uh, agencies to kind of have uh, a presence in, in, in DE&I. Um, in fact, we launched um, an organization called uh, Spectrum in 2012. So this work has been done long before that. Um, and in fact, you know, our, our, our belonging advisory board, you know, our board that I'd mentioned, you know, this board was created in 2019. So this is well before, you know, the unfortunate tragic events that took place in 2020. So what I'm really proud of is being a part of an organization that has leaned in, um, but really done so in a way that's uh, making waves, right? and not necessarily just riding them. And I think there's a lot of, you know, that going on right now, people trying to ride the wave and all of that. But I think that what we're doing as an organization is really making waves because we were doing this well before that. So it's not reactionary in any way. So, so Carlos, how tough of a job is it in a non-diverse industry like media, marketing, <laughs> advertising. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a diverse industry. It is so not. How tough does that make your job inside of Starcom? You know, the industry, it's funny, you know, I was doing a quick Google search um, for a separate project I was working on um, before today's conversation. And my, my quick Google search, and anyone can find this, and estimates are about 80% white in advertising and marketing. Um, and, and that, to your point, is, a, you know, very kind of predominant representation of, of that group. Um, and minorities are, are, are very, very smallly represented. And so what it's done is really put an emphasis on how we think about things like allyship, what it means to be an ally. How does allyship take form? And, 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 and what it really is about is, is that acknowledgement piece. You know, and I think that it is tough, but what we've done is we've done a lot of different initiatives and a lot of different work on creating ways to kind of highlight these points of intersection of identity. And through that work and through these programs, we've created very meaningful, meaningful conversations. And these conversations aren't just at bad times. We've started to have conversations, you know, 
outside of just tragic events. Those are reactionary conversations. What we wanted to do and what I've done is put into a philosophy that's created proactive conversation. So we're helping to get these muscles moving and, and, and not necessarily just flexing them when things aren't going well. And what that's done is created and fostered that environment of belonging and also that of allyship, because it's important to be here for allies and, and of, as an ally for different groups. And, and what that means can be different. You know, being an ally to somebody in a certain population um, while you're still maybe a minority in the total population is something we're also, you know, working on as well. So to answer your question, it's really tough. But I think that what we've done is, um, you know, started conversations, making sure that we're being proactive, right, and, and having these established um, subcommittees that we place on all of our client teams so that folks are getting familiar with this and, um, you know, the muscle memory is being developed. You know, a, a lot of companies approach DNI as just the right thing to do. Right. And it is the right thing to do. Definitely. But how do you help companies turn the corner when it's the right thing to do for business? Oh, that's a great question. And you know what? I think that I think that there's a lot of things that just incorporate, you know, in, in, in corporate America in a lot of different ways that, you know, we have looked um, to think about profits. A lot of times, you know, just again, blanket kind of statement, you know, in corporate America, people let, tend to look at profits from an immediacy standpoint. Um, and I think that what's really interesting is the 2020 census is really showing us, hey, look, what worked is not going to work anymore, right? And so to your point, yeah, it is the right thing to do just as a human being, but it's also the right thing to do for any business. In fact, it's imperative that you do so. Being uninclusive in your approach from a marketer standpoint is actually one of the biggest irresponsible disservices a brand could do to themselves, just from a long-term perspective, just based off of what the census is showing, right? The estimates, I believe, are something to the effect of, uh, you know, people of color will be the majority in this country. They forecast it at 2030. I mean, that's around the corner. So it's imperative for brands to kind of make that happen. So to answer your question, you know, how do you bring this conversation outside of just the, it's part of people? What I think is important that we're doing is thinking about thinking about people in different ways and consumers are people, our talent are also people, right? And how we think about them um, is, is really important in a way that allows for us to create these opportunities to really create positive experiences for our internal people and for ultimately consumers and things like our once and for all coalition, right? Which I know we're working together on, you know, that is still taking the idea of how consumers um, are able to engage with media through representation supplier diversity, right? Like that's taking this into a whole new direction. Um, and I think that that's really, really exciting. And it ultimately is taking brands to a place of this is the shift and this is what's happening because it's better for all businesses, right? From the supplier side, from the advertiser side, from the media side, from the agency side, like this is just the symbiosis here is so apparent that things like what we're working on together now are really driving that, you know, tactical solutions that we're creating like Prism um, are also helping to, you know, reinvent the way that we think about inclusivity in the digital world too. So when you think about the corporate world in general, outside of the, the walls of Starcom, what do you see as some of the biggest hurdles that we still have to cross 
in order to make real progress? Great question. I think that um, the first and foremost is acknowledgement, right? I think that there's still challenges with regards to acknowledgement regarding, you know, how certain, you know, different entities in the corporate space need to just start their journey, right? And part of the starting of any journey is just acknowledging that you have to be on one. And I think that there's still some challenges with, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that is, is, is part of that journey. You need to acknowledge that. So acknowledgement doesn't just have to be, you know, about all of these different things we just talked about in the previous question, but it's also about just acknowledging that you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then I think the next thing is persistence, right? The ability to be persistent in, you know, okay, I've acknowledged that I need, you know, to grow here or, you know, have conversations that are uncomfortable there, but, you know, just doing it one time doesn't suffice. You need to be persistent. This needs to be something that we're doing so regularly that it becomes second nature and innate into what it is that, you know, our business model is starting to consider. And then I think the last thing is measurement. You know, it's hard to measure something if you one, haven't acknowledged it and two, aren't persistent with it. So I think that just as a corporate, you know, structure in this country, we need to be able to measure this in the same rigor that we measure other things because measurement is everywhere. Why are we not doing it in the same way here? So uh, Carlos, um, you know, I have this brand called Waymaker. Yep. I have another brand called blueprint mm -hmm. and they all are designed to meet people of color where they are and help them get to the next level right so we believe in the waymaker community that there has never been a successful person mm. that has not had a waymaker right so who have been some of your waymakers in your life wow um I think that some of my waymakers have have um, been folks who've been mentors, but also people who, you know, were able to recognize kind of my passion and help me harness it and channel it. Um, but I also think there were also moments that were waymakers as well. And you know, attending the Blueprint Summit um, in 2019, I think it was when we was there. I mean, that was a moment in, 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 on a personal level that my journey was really starting to pick up momentum. And I was getting this energy of like, I need to do something. I know I can do something and make changes in these ways, but I need to, I just didn't know how to channel it. I was struggling on how to harness it. And attending the blueprint man summit was a moment of acknowledgement of like, you know what, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And what I'm hearing is motivating me and helping me to realize that there's this potential I need to tap into. From a single way maker perspective, you know, I think one person who's been a huge, huge influence on me um, is Renetta McCann. You know, she's somebody who I know we both know personally, but she's somebody who has helped me in so many tremendous ways just to understand and, and figure out how to best channel. And she's somebody from a professional standpoint you know, who's just been one of the biggest influences, I think, on me personally and has helped me tremendously just recognize my passion and understand how, how, how to pursue it best. So she, I think, has been, you know, one of those people. And, I, and again, it was, it, was, it was interesting because our relationship really started to take, take a lot of steam and, and, and move forward. And at the same time, you know, I attended your summit. And it was just like these things are just converging at the same time. So, you know, it was a big moment. Um, and I think that she has been a tremendous influence. And, and, and Carlos, when you think about 
people who are in charge uh, of DNI, mm-hmm. they usually don't come in packages as young as you are. All right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, so who led you in this direction and, and, and how did you get there at such a, a young age? Great question too. Like, I think that, you know, one moment that I had that really let me know that I was going in the right direction was this. Um, I attended a, a DNI boot camp um, for an organization called She Runs It. And She Runs It is a women's based organization. And I went into this room um, and I, you know, was literally one of three men and maybe 700, 800 people there. And I was like, at first, I was a little overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know if I should be here. And then you know what? I was like, if I really want to think about what DNI looks like, I need to be in this moment and lean in and, and try and, and find this opportunity and make the most of it. And it was literally one of the most impactful seminar sessions I'd ever attended because I just saw this passion from these people and made a lot of relationships from that event. Um, and, and to answer your question, who helped channel me there specifically? Um, there were two people who were actually there at that event who helped me uh, really identify how I can be a part of this. One of them um, was Lisette Williams, and the second um, was Ronnie Dickerson Stewart. And both of them have been huge influences in really helping guide me into the DNI landscape. Both of them um, are people I consider wave makers, and I think that they're people who are also, you know, helping um, highlight how young people can contribute in this arena. And both of them were, were huge influences. I had so many conversations with them both and they're like, you, you know, I was like, I don't know if I should do this. What do you think? You know, I'm having a pivot away from my big media experience that I'm doing. And they was like, no, you need to do this. You got an act, you need to do this. And, and both of them have had so many conversations to help propel me um, and get me into, into this space. So Carlos, I, I talk a lot about people having vision, you know, mm-hmm. being able to see it and then go about being it. Right. So when you think about five years from now, what does the industry look like? And more important, what does Starcom look like? Oof. I think, uh, I think five years from now, I think the industry will get into a phase um, that is able to use the same tools in new and inventive um, ways. And I think that what the industry will look like is um, the ability to bring equity and inclusivity um, in the channels that have lacked it the most. So we think about some of our offline stuff, but if we think about our online stuff, I think it's also a way for us to really take things um, that have worked, but weren't designed to be inclusive. Not that they were intentionally or purposefully designed to be uninclusive, but leveraging them ways, you know, that are, are future forward and allowing us to use these solutions in ways that haven't been invented. So to, to, to say what I think the industry looks like in five years, I think it's going to be the most trackable, measurable, and efficient way to ensure that um, diverse audiences and our ability to um, leverage our buying power are coming to a convergence point. And, and I think that that is something that brands know is coming. And I think that's something that the industry and tech also feel are coming. And I, and, and I think that in five years, we should get to a point where that um, is a reality. In terms of Starcom, 
you know, I think that what we'll see then is our ability to really help our brands and new prospects understand how inclusivity can feel in a tangible way with their people internally. And I think that our ability to mirror, uh, for their ability to mirror what we're doing and having that, you know, symmetry, because I think Starcom is doing a tremendously great job. And I think that what we're doing is continuing to foundationally build. And what I would see in five years is the way that we're structured will be the for lack of better words, you know, the, the example, the model of how other organizations and even clients can help, you know, restructure themselves and, and, and position, you know, that prioritization of, of what inclusivity and belonging is in everyday day touch points for employees. Final question, Carlos, for those individuals who'll be listening to this podcast and who are in corporate America and who may be feeling a, a, a certain way, uh, what is your suggestion to them who sort of feel that they don't really have any control over this? It's almost like either I get picked or I don't get picked. Mm-hmm. You know, what is your suggestion to them in a proactive way on some of the things that they should be do, should that, that they should do to be yeah. a part of this process? You know, I think, um, I think with, folks should be doing is playing their game, leaning into them, leaning into their stories, leaning into their experiences. And I think that at a certain point in time, people have these advantages, these, this uniqueness, this, this irreplicable thing about themselves. And sometimes that's the thing that they may be avoiding most, but that's actually a strategic advantage because it's irreplicable. You can't duplicate that. And I think for people to think about ways to ensure that, you know, they're a part of this and, and they're able to lean into it and, and provide and seize and capitalize on the opportunity, because that's what I'm kind of hearing. And I think that in order to do that, be you, be you and lean into you and lean into everything about you that makes you you, because that is something that can't be duplicated. There's no cookie cutter for that, you know, and I think at one point in time in my own life, I was trying to play a game, you know, the, the, the corporate America game with the rules of, of what, you know, my white counterparts were using. And I realized I have this whole unique thing about me and all people of color, black people, brown people, we have this unique thing about ourselves and our experience. And we need to play to that. And because if we've already made it into corporate America, we're already being able to be successful at these designed, you know, kind of templatized approaches to the game. But we have these unique things that are intangible. And I can equate it, and not to go down a sports analogy, but it's the ability to use your legs. Standing back and being a pocket passer is great, but if you use your legs, you've now created a whole new dynamic skill that can't be duplicated and replicated and it can't be accounted for. It's an X factor. Lean in, find your X factor and leverage that in every and any way. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Use it because that's what makes you you and that's what makes it known that no one else can be you. So, uh, Carlos, it, it sounded like you were saying show up as your authentic self. Right. I have a I have a twist to that, Carlos. Okay. Okay. I always say show up as your authentic best self. Facts. Big facts. <laughs> <laughs> Big facts. I mean, not every part of you is for everyone. And having uh, the maturity, yeah, having, okay. having the maturity to know when and what is your time and place for what is important. But 
being able to, to, to recognize uh, what your best self is, vision and, and paint that and back into that and live into those values. That's what that's that's, I think, the unique opportunity in of itself, because to your point, it can be dangerous to be too authentic. But I think <laughs> that knowing your time and place with maturity is like, OK, not every part of me is for everyone. And we all kind of have to go through that phase if we're going to use our most authentic selves and not play off of a script to know your time and place for everything. Man, this has been great, Carlos. Thank you yes, so sir. much Glad to for be joining here. us. I thank you so much for this. Thank and you. wish you the best of luck on your journey. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Carlos Sanchez. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know in our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com and be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode. 